Good morning. Um, <clears throat> thank you. Um, man, can we do something weird today? Um, we're weird here. If you haven't figured that out, we just are. But um, I just, I don't know, I feel this um, need for prayer today. And um, maybe just some of us, like I, I don't know, in the worship I was hoping more people would just come down and and get on your knees before God and just ask him to move in this place. And there was only a couple, so I'm just going to give us another shot. And uh, maybe this morning just some of us can come into this space and we can just pray and ask God to do something in us today. Um, so I'm I'm going to pray down here, and I just pray maybe some of you guys will join me. But anyway, let's pray. Father God, this morning we need you. Um, God, we're desperate this morning for you. Um, God, we don't want to just do like the church thing where we go through the motions and we and we come in and sing the songs and then after we sing the songs we hear the word and then we just like leave unchanged to God because that's not what you have for us. Um, God, we we know how to do the church thing. We know how to um, how to sing songs and, and we can do that relatively without you and um, God we know how to, to sit and to listen to somebody talk and we can do that relatively without you but we don't want to God I don't I don't want to just go through the motions of church and do the like religion thing I want you to show up and this is an opportunity this morning for you to do that and I just want um, to, to say that to you this morning to say that I need you and um, I may be the one standing up here and saying some words but I'm in need today and um, God, we are in need today. And I feel like maybe just in, in, in saying today in humility on our knees before you, God, that we need you. Um, maybe there's just something about that. And um, God, I just pray today that you'll do something unexpected, God, that you would do something that we, we really maybe didn't think was going to happen when we come in this place. That, God, we would see lives changed because you say that you do that. And, and we would see people come to know you. And maybe everybody here does, but maybe they don't. And if they don't, God, we, we could see that today. And that even if we do know you today, that we could be moved closer to you. That we could maybe just quit doing the thing and, and step into a deeper relationship with you, God, that you would break chains today that have been holding people back, that, God, you would open eyes today that maybe have not seen in a long time, and we'd be people that wouldn't just, like, do the thing, but we would worship and long for this, God. That, God, you'd give us such a hunger down in us, God, that we, we couldn't be satisfied with anything less than you, God, that you would just remove today all the, all the trappings and the shiny objects from our life, and you would say, hey, this is what we need. That Jesus, you would be the thing that we need. So God, we lean into that and we ask for that today. We, we're desperate today. As the psalmist would say, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul thirsts for you, the living God, that that would be the, the cry of our heart today, that we would just long for you in that way today, that, that nothing else is going to satisfy us today, that it would only be you. So God, just move in us. We don't want to leave here how we walked in here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for doing that. Um, I know it's like old-fashioned to, to come and to get on our knees before God, but man, I wish it wasn't. Um, I feel like if, if we're missing something today, maybe that's the thing today. <laughs> um, that we would just say, who, who cares who sees? I just want you, God. Um, I think, I may have even said this a few weeks ago, I've had this conversation with a few of you in the Old Testament repentance, that, that, that relationship with God was such a public thing, not for the sake of other people, but because there was a temple. And that's where God was, and if you wanted to get into God's space, you had to go to God. And these people, if they wanted to repent or bring any kind of offering or sacrifice, they would have to drag this, like, animal up a hill, up the steps, and into this place where God was. And, man, what a what an attitude to be able to do that. I don't care who knows. Nope, I'm not hiding anything today, right? Got my cow. We're going up the hill. I'm not trying to do it in the, in the secret of, of night today. I'm just, I need God, and I need what he has, and I don't care what the people think. And I feel like that's something maybe we've lost in, in the church. We've 
you know, like we, it's, it's me and God, it's, it's a me and God thing. And that's true. It's a you and God thing. And you can repent, you can pray from anywhere. I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't, but I'm saying we've lost that, that mentality of like, who cares what people think? I don't care what anybody thinks. I care what God thinks. Like he's, he's the one I want to please. And if people are going to judge me for walking down through here, maybe they just need to come with me. Because my relationship with God is not about what you think about my relationship with God. It's what God thinks. And I just want that to be right. I want that to be right. It doesn't matter, right, whose eyes are on me. Like, like I think sometimes that's why we don't worship, right? I've, I've been there and we're like, I don't want to lift my hand because somebody's going to see me or somebody's going to notice. But, man, isn't it just sometimes it just gets so strong in you. You're like, man, I have to respond to what God is doing in this place right now. I don't care who notices. And just maybe we could just get back to that place. If it's not about what people think, it's about what God thinks. And I just want to be pleasing to him. Like, I just want this to make sense. Right? You've read maybe Second Samuel, I think it is, where um, David's bringing the ark back into the city. And, like, here's this king, and he's just dancing like a fool, like right in, his, in his bed clothes, right, in front of this ark that's coming up the hill. It's been such an expensive process to get there because every six steps they've killed like a whole herd of animals. And he's just dancing for joy before God. He's like, man, I'm so glad this ark, I'm bringing God back into the presence of the people. And he's just dancing before it. And he gets into the city and his wife looks at him. He's like, man, kings don't act like that. You're acting like a fool. And what does he say back? Man, I'll be even more undignified than this. I don't care what people think. Because I just want this to make sense. I'm just so happy to be with God. I don't care what people think. I just want this to make sense. And I, I don't know. I just feel like we've lost that somewhere. This is for free this morning. Like we're going to get into this in a minute. But man, that's like, that's what I long for is we could just get back to that. And I could get back to that. I struggle with the same thing. I, I want, I've been right there. Like I've not always been up here and I don't even really know why I'm up here. <laughs> Maybe some of you don't either. Um <laughs> But I've been there and I've sat there and I've been like, man, I just, I don't know if I want to lift my hand. I don't know if I want to go pray. Like I've been so broken in, inside and I've been like, I don't want to go to the front of the room. So I'll just pray right here. Does that even, does it even make sense? And why did I do that? Because I cared what people thought. And I just want to get to the space where maybe we just don't care what people think. We just care what God thinks. And like I said, that's for free today. I don't know. Somebody needed that. I just trust God with that. But. Maybe we could just get there. Um, this morning, we're going to be in, in Mark chapter 10. And um, this is a story that like probably we've, we've talked about in this room before. But I know we've talked about over the span of the last five years uh, a few times. But it's a story that we've heard. Um, I'm just praying like, through God today that it would be different for us. But we started a series a few weeks ago called The Holes in Us. And it's just talking about this thought that we all have these these holes in our life, these areas where we feel less than, these places where we feel in need. You know what I'm talking about? Like, can anybody relate to that? Like, maybe we don't tell people, we don't want people to know, but, like, we just know. Like, I feel like there's something missing in this spot. It's, it's these holes, and normally those holes are caused by wounds somewhere in our past. Maybe we did to us or others did to us, or maybe we just believe something that somebody said about us that was less about us, and, and we started trying to... to to fill that hole with something, and we've referred to that as this medication for the past few weeks, that, that, that we have these holes in us, and what we do is we try to jam these things into this space because we want to feel like we're enough. And for some of us, that thing maybe is money, and for some of us, it's stuff, like I'm chasing this car or this house or this thing. For some of us, it's relationships. We're chasing this person. For some of us, it's maybe a substance, right? Like we, we tried to fill this hole with some some pill or some liquid that, that maybe would do something for us. And, and what we know is, like, down the road, if we've lived in that very long, it doesn't work, right? Like, there's nothing that, that, that really satisfies that spot that we try to put in there. Like, there's never an amount of money that's like, okay, I'm good now if money is your thing. But there's never an amount of stuff that's like, okay, I'm good now if stuff is your thing or, or people, relationships, if that's your thing, or even a substance, if that's your thing. Like, there's never an amount where you're like, man, I'm just good. And the reason for that is those things were never meant to satisfy us, to fill those holes. They can't do it. It's like too much pressure to put on a thing, right? Like it just cannot do it. You can't fill that hole for me because you were never meant to, and it's not fair for me to put that pressure on you. 
We've been talking about this idea for the past few weeks, and this morning we're just going to do that again in, in Mark 10. Mark, or the Gospel of Mark, is maybe some of your favorite gospel. I love this one. It's the abbreviated gospel, like the gospel for people that don't want to read. It's the shortest one. It's the gospel or the story of Jesus through the eyes of Mark. Now, Mark was not a disciple that walked around with Jesus. Mark was a a guy that was discipled by a disciple of Jesus. He was a guy that's hearing this secondhand, and these are not his stories, but these are stories from one of the disciples. But these are eyewitness accounts that were told to Mark. Mark's not a guy that's 400 years removed from the cross. He's a guy that's like next door neighbors generationally to the cross. And maybe he was even alive during these events and would have heard about them. But, but he heard about these specific events from a guy named Peter. And um, anyway, this is, this is the gospel from maybe his, Peter's perspective with Mark's handwriting. And um, he tells these stories about Jesus. And in 10, we see that Jesus is about to set out on a... On a journey, he's moving into the region of Judea and he's about to cross the Jordan or he has maybe already crossed the Jordan in these stories that we're about to hear. But he's going to this area of Judea or southern Israel and he's going to minister there and do some things there. And when he gets there, there's these crowds that surround him. Like that's always true about Jesus. You see that repeatedly through the Bible. If Jesus shows up somewhere, people show up somewhere. Jesus is like a superstar, right? Like people, people are coming to see Jesus. It doesn't matter where Jesus goes or like what he's really planning on doing that day. If Jesus shows up, people show up. Because here, here's the newsflash maybe for some of us today. Jesus is a pretty interesting guy, right? Like we, we've heard, yeah, Jesus, I don't really do that thing. But man, if you knew anything about Jesus, Jesus is an interesting guy. And when he shows up, people show up. And we see that happen in this story, and he shows up, and these people show up, and he begins to do what he always does when people show up. He begins to teach. He takes this moment, and he begins to teach these people, and he teaches about some things. And as he's teaching, the Pharisees show up. Now, anytime Jesus shows up and people show up, we normally see Pharisees show up. And these are the religious leaders of the day, and they're not really a fan of Jesus. They don't love the work of Jesus. Like, they don't like Jesus because they should be the one teaching and people should be coming to them, but that's not how it works when Jesus is around. They were jealous of Jesus because nobody's ever taught like Jesus. He's never been to seminary. He's never went to rabbi school. Like he's, he's just some carpenter kid and, he, and he's just been hanging out, but, but he doesn't have to learn from people because he's learned from God because he is God, right? And he, he shows up on the scene and he draws crowds and the Pharisees don't like that. So what they repeatedly try to do over and over and over and over again is to trip Jesus up, to trap Jesus so that people won't come listen to Jesus anymore. So they come to Jesus and they're about to question him and ask him something to try to kind of make him look like he doesn't know what he's talking about or so they'd have some reason to get rid of the Jesus problem. And Jesus answers intelligently like he does every single time. (laughs) You would think they would learn, right? Like, We're not going to get this guy, but they just don't learn. Like, we're going to come. We're going to try to trap him up. He's going to make us look like dummies, and then we're just going to come back the next day, and we're going to do the same thing over and over again. And, and, you know, it doesn't make sense, but that's what they do. After that, Jesus blesses some children, and as Jesus is about to to leave, um, there's this guy that's there. It's kind of verse 17, the story of the rich young ruler. And there's this guy that's there, and he's probably been watching this like all day long. He's been wanting to ask Jesus this question, and this is kind of the the final moments Jesus is about to be in town. It says in 17, as he, he being Jesus, was setting out on a journey, he was about to leave and continue on into whatever he was doing before the crowd came. It says a man ran up to him, and he knelt down before him, and he asked him this question. Here's the scene. If you can imagine, there's this guy that's been standing there watching this happen all day, and he's been wanting to ask Jesus this question, and Jesus is about to leave. The lesson's over. The story's done. Everybody's dispersing, and Jesus is about to walk out of the town, and here's this guy in his final moments in this desperation. He's about to miss his opportunity to ask Jesus this question, so he starts running after Jesus, and then it says he knelt down. Now, I don't know how this works, but I've kind of seen baseball slides and I imagine it's something like that you can't run completely stop into a, into no motion right down onto your knees so this guy basically throws his body in the path of Jesus like hey I have something to ask you and then he proceeds to ask him this question and he says good teacher now he's buttering him up right here right like he is a good teacher that's true the Bible says nobody's ever taught like Jesus like this is an understatement if there ever was, was one like Jesus is a great teacher he's like a out of out of everybody else's league above everybody else teacher but he, he's trying to butter him up so he says good teacher and here's the question he says what must I do to inherit eternal life this is the question 
It's a great question, by the way. It's a question really everybody on the planet that believes that there is something after this life has to deal with. Right? Like if you, if you believe that when you die, you don't just like go into nothingness. You just you continue to exist somewhere. Then this is a question that you should ask. Right? This is a question you should be seeking. Because if there is something after this and there, there is a thing that's good and a thing that's bad, even if we don't use the names heaven and hell, like if there is something, don't you want to know how to get there? And wouldn't you, if there is something like to be in the better place as opposed to the not good place, like, you know, like, it, you know, it doesn't take much to figure that out. Like if, if there's one option, two options, when you die, there's a place where you don't burn and there's a place where you do burn. I think most of us would be like, I would like to be in the place where you don't burn. Right now it's this popular idea in the culture today that nothing happens and you just cease to exist, which by the way is kind of like against science, but whatever. Um, you know, we only use science when it benefits our point of view. I'm not against science. I think science is great. I just don't like it when people twist science and call something that's not science, science. So don't think I'm not like a science-brained person. I actually love science. That was one of my favorite classes in school. I just think most of the things we call science are not science these days because you can't prove them, and if you can't prove it, it's not science. So anyway, <laughs> if there is, sorry for the rant. Um, anyway, if there is something after this, it doesn't take a whole lot of intelligence to be like, I don't want to burn forever. Uh, that seems like the better of the two options, right? Like, I want to go to the place where I don't burn more so than I want to go to the place where I do burn. It's not a, it's not a hard option. Um, but there's this popular idea in, in culture today that, that you just cease to exist. Whatever. If that's you, we could talk about it later. I'm not trying to convince you of anything this morning. I'm just talking to the people that are like, there's something after this. And if there's something after this, wouldn't you want to know how to get to the better of the two options? This is all this guy's asking. He believes that there's an afterlife and, and there's two options. There's the place where you burn and there's a place you don't burn, heaven and hell. He believes in that because that is a literal place and we should believe in that. The Bible talks about it quite a bit. Um, but he talks about this thing and he wants to know, how do I get to heaven? This is the question. How am I going to get to heaven? When I leave this place, when I die, which we all will die eventually, like all of us will cease to breathe. Like we're not going to just become robot things that go on forever. Uh, we're, we're all going to stop. And even if we became robot things, your car is a robot thing and it even dies, right? Like we, we all will stop at some point in time. Like it's just, it's going to happen. Death is a reality and everybody that lives long enough dies. It's true. This guy knows that's a reality and we should all know that's a reality. We've been around long enough to experience it probably. And he knows when I die, there's two options and I want to know how to get to heaven. So he goes up to Jesus. He's heard enough about Jesus to believe that he has the credibility to answer this question. And he says, how do I, how do I get to heaven? How am I going to get to heaven? Now, that's a, that's a great question. There's a flaw with the question that we'll talk about in a moment, but, but that's a great question. It's a question the whole world has to deal with. It's a question we today should deal with. How, how when I leave this place, am I going to end up in heaven? So he asked Jesus, how am I going to do that? But the flaw of this question is, he says, how am, how, how am I going to get to heaven? And what he wants is he wants a checklist. He wants a, a list of do's and don'ts. If I do these things and don't do these things, that I can end up in, in heaven. That's what a lot of us are looking for today. Jesus is about to point out the problems with this, but a lot of us are looking for that list of if you do this and 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 you don't do this and you don't do this and you don't do this, then you're going to go and you're going to end up in heaven. What can I do to end up in heaven? Now, the problem with that is, is it's, a, it's a bare minimum idea because what we're looking for is like, where's the line? Because I just want to be barely on this side of the line. I don't want to truly love God and have a true allegiance to God. I want to truly follow God. I just want to like get enough over here that I don't end up there. And there's an issue with that because that's a heart issue. God, I don't really want everything you got. I just want enough. And that's what he's looking for. I don't, I don't think he's a bad guy. I think we're about to learn that. I just think he's misguided in his, in his thinking. Now, I want you to know, like, if there was a list, this is where Jesus would put the list. Jesus is not trying to hide some list out there somewhere. There just is no list. If there was a say the sinner's prayer and then go to church and then put some money in and then sing some songs and then wear these kind of clothes and then, you know, don't cuss too much. If there was a list, this is where it would be. 
if say the sinner's prayer, whatever that is, in made up chapter 7, verse 22, if that was a thing, this is where it would be. The guy asked a direct question to Jesus, how do I get to heaven? And, and if there was a list or the sinner's prayer was the magic word, which, by the way, isn't in the Bible at all ever. If that was a thing, this is where that would be. Unfortunately, that is not a thing. If you're trusting in the sinner's prayer to get you to heaven, you're trusting in the wrong thing because the sinner's prayer is not God. If you're trusting in some list of do's and don'ts to get to heaven, you're trusting in the wrong thing because the list is not God. So Jesus looks back at him and he does this really weird thing. He ignores pretty much the whole question. Let's go back to where you started. Why do you call me good? This guy's probably taken back by this. We've heard it enough times that it's not like weird for us. But like if you started to ask somebody a question and they, they answered you with, why do you have a red shirt on today? This would be that conversation. Hold on. <laughs> the important part was, how do I get to heaven? That's what I want to know. Like if once you answer that, then we can go back and we can grab the, why do you call me good? Like, but Jesus answers this guy's question with a question. Because really the heart of how do we get to heaven is found in the answer to this question. And Jesus looks at him and he's like, why do you call me good? Nobody is good but God. Now there's two options here. Either one, this guy has had his eyes opened by God and he realizes that Jesus is God. But from the rest of the story, I'm pretty sure that's not what's happened. Now, that would answer his question, right? Oh, you see that I am God. Okay, well, there we go. That, that's a start. But that's not what has happened here. The problem is with the list, the list allows us to have this image of or this thought process that we are good. And Jesus is about to shatter that thought process. He says, why do you call me good? Nobody is good but God. Nobody is good but God, you want a list of how to be good enough to get to heaven. And I want you to know that the list of good enough is you got to be God. There's not like a list of commandments that if you keep, they'll, they'll get you into heaven. Because even if you kept every commandment, you would still not be God. You can't keep all the commandments, by the way. But if you could keep all the commandments, you still wouldn't be God. Because you haven't kept every commandment for all eternity. He says God is the standard here. Well, before we start talking about the list, before we start talking about good enough and not good enough, I just want you to know we're wasting time because God is the standard. And guess what? You're not God. I need you to understand something before we start this conversation. God is the only one that's good enough to get into heaven on his own merit. And you got to be God. And if you're not God, you're not good enough. Now, that's some foundational truth today that he can hold on to, but we can also hold on to because the reality of it is we love a list. We love, if you do this, if I go to church 362 days a year, I'm good. But that's not on the list because there isn't a list. He says, here's the list. Are you God? If the answer is no, you're not getting there. That's the answer to the guy's question. How do I get to heaven? Well, you don't. Because you're not God. And you're not good. But I want to know where the line is. Can you just tell me where the line is? Well, the line is you've got to be God. And if you're on this side of the line, which is everybody else, You don't. Why do you, why do you call me good? Do you, do you either two options? You either see that I'm God or you are misguided in your information because you think that you can be good. Can I just say today that none of us are good? I don't care what you wore in the building this morning. Not good. I don't care that you made it all the way here without screaming at somebody. 
not good. I don't care that you prayed every single day this week. You're not good. I don't care that you read the whole Bible Tuesday. Not good. You're not good because you're not God. And that's some foundational truth that this man needs to know, but we also need to know. If we're going to deal with this question, how do I get to heaven? we got to know the answer today is you don't. I would, I, it would have saved me a lot of time had somebody said that when I was 8, 9, 10 years old. 11, 12, 25. It would have saved me a lot of time. Because I, like a lot of us in this building, have spent years and years and years chasing some standard that I'm never going to make. How do you be good? Well, you've got to be God. And if you're not, you're not good. So Jesus answers this question, and he gets this guy, like, right, like, just, like, just like the woman last week, just right over the head. He doesn't understand. He's still trying to get to the second part of the question. So Jesus starts talking to him in, in a language that he would understand. He, he says, you know the commandments, right? You know the commandments? Now, no, he probably doesn't. He might know the Ten Commandments, right? Like some of us still have those hanging up somewhere. Most of us couldn't quote him right now. There's 613, though, in the Old Testament. And I know you can't quote those. And neither could this guy. But Jesus is like, well, let's, let's speak your language then, man. Let's, let's speak your language. If you want a list, that's like the closest thing to a list, you know, the whole Old Testament. There's 613 commands in there, and you know them, right? You know all 613. You better because you're trying to keep them all. And then Jesus starts listing some off. He says, do not murder. Right? If that was it, like 92% of us are feeling pretty good today. (laughs) And this guy apparently was too. Do not murder. Okay, I've never done that. Let alone that Jesus had already said, you know, earlier than this, if you've ever hated anybody, then you committed murder in your heart. Well, man, I'm, I'm messed up now. But we didn't go there. He says, do not commit adultery. Okay, now maybe like 80% of us are feeling okay. Okay, never done that. Do not steal. That one sunk the battleship, right? Like, now we're all in trouble. Like three years old, going through the Walmart candy bar in the pocket. That's what that is, right? Ever cheated on your time card at work? That's what that is. Took too many straws at the Starbucks. That's what that is, right? Paid for one. Shadi's still laughing about that. Yeah. I would have said plastic spoons at the uh, Earl of Sandwich if I was getting shot at a uh, <laughs> stack of them. Uh, do not bear false witness. And you're just like ticking down the list, right? So we went from like 92% of us are good to it's like a small window now. Do not defraud um, and then honor your father and your mother. Now, it's probably like not any of us. But he, he just he rattles off this list. And at the end of this list, I, this guy was feeling pretty good about the list. But what, what did we just say? How, how many commandments were there? There were 613, and we've got um, six now. Jesus like just listed off the things he knew this guy was good at. By the way, none of these commandments have to do with anything between this man and God. They're all just this guy and the people around him. There was an issue here. Maybe he was okay here, but there there was an issue here. And this guy probably, in a moment of suspense, is like, 
Is that it? Am I good? Because Jesus just gave him a list. He's like, man, you, you can feel really good about these six things. There's 613, but man, you are a rock star with these six. You're not going to dishonor your father and your mother if you're a rich dude because they'll just take all your money, right? Like, they're going to rat you out of the will. And he looks at Jesus after maybe thinking for a minute. And he says to him, teacher, I've, I've kept all these from my youth. I've, I've never broken one of these. I've never, I've never done one of those. And in this moment, he's, he's feeling great. What's amazing about that is like we all have that list, don't we? Like the things that we feel really good about. And then we do the same thing that Jesus did, don't we? We like leave off all the other things. Well, man, I... I'm not a person that's prone to anger. I just forget before I get to stay mad about it forever. I just, uh, it's like there, and I might say something hateful for saying it, but I'm, I'm done with it. I'm not going to sit around and be mad forever. I don't have time for that. I won't remember long enough. So, like, that's probably on my list. Man, I'm glad I'm not like all those people, right? Man, those people cut me off. I didn't even honk at them. Now, if it would have been this person, they'd have flipped in the bird because they're not good like me. But I'm good. Everybody's got one of those lists. The problem is our list is like really short. Because there's a really, if we're honest, a lot more stuff we're not good at than we're good at. We just only focus on the four things, five things, six things that we actually do. And it leaves us feeling really good. And it gives us the ability to like look down on people that maybe don't have the same list as us. But in reality, we're all just bad at it, all of it. Because none of us are good. And this guy looks at him and he's like, man, I feel great about that. Like, is that it? Like, am I, am I good? Am I, maybe, maybe I am God. Like, um, I, I feel great. I do all those things. Like, all six of those things, man, I, I do that. And it says that, in 21, looking at him, Jesus loved him. Looking at him, Jesus loved him. Now, I just want to take a moment and pause right here because this is the gospel for a lot of us. This is the gospel that we grew up hearing for some of us. I grew up in a church, I know. And what do we hear about a lot in church is, don't do this thing, don't do this thing, don't do this thing, don't do this thing. And if you do that, God will be happy and he loves you. I just want to say, like, that's not the gospel. Some of us hear that and we're like, we know we're on the bad list. We know that our list is not good. And we look at that and we're like, well, of course Jesus loved that guy. Look, he, he did those six things right. And some of us are this guy. And we're like, look at all the things I do right. Of course, Jesus loves me. Can I just say something controversial to you today? Um, it doesn't really matter which list you're on, Jesus loves you. I don't care who you are and what you've done and what you did yesterday and what you're going to do when you leave here. Jesus loves you. That is, that is the gospel. The gospel is not if you keep this list of things at the end of this thing, you're going to go to heaven. The gospel is not if you do all these things right at the end of this thing, You'll be loved and forgiven by God. The gospel is not if you keep Jesus' commands, then Jesus will love you. That's not the gospel. And I'm sorry if you've ever heard it that way. That's not the gospel. And if you're sitting there wondering right now, like, am I that person? I can answer that for you in, in, in 30 seconds. Why do you think when you leave this place, you're going to go to heaven? Your answer to that will answer this question. You ever heard somebody say, well, I try, to, I try to be a good person? Man, it's heartbreaking. Because what you just said is you're not, when you leave this place, going to go to heaven. Because God is the standard. 
and you're not God. Well, I, I, try, to, I try to follow God and do what's right. I read the Bible and I go to church and I serve on the worship team. Or Man, that's heartbreaking because your answer to that question just told me you're not going to heaven. If your answer to that question is anything other than I am saved by the blood of Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross, then you are lost. Because everything else is this list mentality. If I do this thing, then God will do this thing. It's like this bargain that we've made with God. If I, if I come to church, God will love me. If I, if I say this prayer, God will love me. I'm, I'm not trusting in a prayer. I'm not putting all my faith in something that came out of my mouth. You ever talk to somebody and, and you tried to tell them about Jesus? Probably not because we don't really do that, but maybe some of us have. And they say, no, I don't, need, I don't need to hear that. I got saved when I was. And then you look at like everything that's happened apparently after they were 11 years old down in the front. And you're like, well, man, I would try again. What are they trusting in? I said that prayer when I was 11 years old. Man, it's heartbreaking because you're putting all your faith and your hope in something that came out of your mouth. My faith today is not in a prayer, and it's not in the fact that I come to church. It's not in the fact that I do anything at church. It says in the Bible, Jesus is going to say to some people, depart from me, I never knew you. And they're going to say, but I did this. I was a missionary. I was a pastor. I was a worship leader. I was a... And he's going to say, it's not about a list. I didn't know you, and you didn't know me. So he looks at this guy and he gives him the list that he wants, right? And it says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And here's how he loved him. He said, you lack one thing. That doesn't sound loving, right? I know I, I need the list. You lack one thing. You haven't said the sinner's prayer yet. It's not in there. See, so look at him and he, and he loved him and he loved him enough to be honest with him. I love that God loves us enough to be honest with us. That is called conviction, by the way. Don't you love that there's a God who cares so much about you that he's not worried about making you live this list for the rest of your life and then figuring out that you just did all that without God? That he wants you to really know him and he wants you to really like come into relationship with him. He wants to come in and move into your life and he wants you to move into a life in him. He looks at him and he loves him and he says, you're, you're missing something. You lack, you lack one thing. There's something big that's missing from your list. And this is what he says. He, I'll try to find it. I've been like memorized this apparently because I've taught it so many times. But he says... <laughs> um, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. This is what you're missing. Take all that you have and go sell it to the poor. And then come follow me. So what is he missing? taking all that he has and selling it to the poor? No, that's just the list. He's missing this piece of following Jesus. And what Jesus knows is standing in the way is all that he has. Jesus looks at this guy and he says, Hey, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to give you what you want today. Trying to give you the information you need. You know that you're missing something. You came here today because you know that you're missing something. You, you were standing in listening to me teach for hours because you know that you're missing something. And you baseball slid in front of me. You threw your body in the path today so I wouldn't leave because you know you're missing something, right? You're missing something today that your money can't buy and it can't fill. 
and you're missing something today that you know your religion is not really grabbed onto. So everything that you've been trusting in, why don't you just get rid of that? You don't need it. And why don't you just come follow me? What you're missing today, he's saying to this man, is following me. You're missing it. You're missing it. He says this man went away grieved because he had much. He had a lot. And some of us are listening and we're like, what's, what's that have to do with the holes in us? Well, here's the reality. This man had holes and issues just like we do. And he had a lot of money. But the reality of it is that money wasn't doing anything for him. And that's why he sought Jesus out that day. This man had religion, right? You know, the commandments. He's not just some guy that walked in off the street. Jesus knows. Like, you, you've been trusting in religion. You've been trying to do the thing. But you know religion cannot do it for you. These things would be the medications that we're talking about. Now, I was hoping to have, like, a whole pile of this, right? In front of the room, I just wanted it, like, stacked tall. But I didn't have any friends that had enough gold to do that. So this is all the gold I could find today. You know, one ounce of gold is worth like, I don't know, like a thousand, three hundred and some dollars. It's a bunch. I looked it up last week. It's probably changed since then. And this guy had just heaps of it. But there was not one thing in this man that, that even with all that, he could fill. This man had religion. He knew the commands. He was trying to live and, and be good. He wanted to be good enough to get into heaven. He wanted to go to heaven. He, he had all that. But the reality is the thing that he was using to medicate that hole in his life was a hindrance to what Jesus wanted to do in his life. So that hole was made for God. The hole in us, the thing that we feel like we're lacking, that piece of us that feels like it's empty, that, that was made for God to fill and God alone. He, he wants to come and he wants to heal the wounds and he wants to fill the hole in us. But the reality of it is, if we're always trusting in something else to fill that hole, we're never going to let God do what he wants to do. We're never going to get healed and made whole. We're never going to have that piece of us that we feel like is missing. So Jesus says to him, he's like, you're missing something. Right? Like, you know you're missing something, right? Like, you came here today because you know that you're missing something. There's a part of you that just it never feels like it's enough. And you got all this money, and you'll have more money, and you'll have more money, and you'll have more money. But you're missing something, aren't you? And you got religion, and you're doing the thing, and you're trying to get the list. You're trying to be good, and you're seeking out advice from teachers, and you're reading the Christian books. And, like, you even know how to understand John Piper, and you get all that, right? Like, but there, there's still something missing, isn't there? So I have an idea. I'm going to give you what you're missing. I want you to go sell everything that you have. I want you to get rid of all of it. All that stuff that you've been, you've been trying to fill that hole with. Go get rid of all of it. I just want to say this because some of you are like, man, I'm going to have to sell my car now. I don't think Jesus is against stuff. I think he's against us replacing him with stuff. But if the first thing you thought was, I don't know if I could do that, then you're the very person that has an issue. If there's something that you love so much you couldn't let go of it when God asked you to, you have an idol and an issue. And you're using that to fill something it cannot fill. So he looks at this guy and he's like, you, you came here because you know that this doesn't do it, right? Like, can we at least be on common ground there? You know that you're empty. And you know that like you had some money and it wasn't enough, so you got more money and it wasn't enough, and you got more money and it wasn't enough, and you, you're going to play that game your whole life. And you know that it's empty. 
you know that you've thrown your life into trying to be good and keeping some list and checking some box, and you know that you're empty, right? You, you know that. Kind of step out of the story for a minute. There's a lot of us that know that we're empty right now. And we're just trying to chuck stuff in that space to, to make us feel whole. If I can just get this thing, if I can just grab that thing, if I can just be more good. If I can just read more, if I can just pray more, if I can just, whatever we're reaching for. Reading, praying, it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's not Jesus. Not on its own. And he looks at him, he says, you know, it's not doing it. You know that it's not enough. So I have an idea. Get rid of it. You're not going to need it. I'm enough. You don't need me plus money. Amen. You don't need me plus religion. You don't need that. You don't need me plus substance or me plus family or me plus relationship or me plus people or me plus pleasure. You don't need me plus stuff. You don't need me plus promotion. You just need me. So sell everything you have and listen to what he says to the man. You'll have treasure in heaven. So everything you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. And what? You'll have treasure in heaven. What did he start with? How do I get to heaven? Jesus says, come follow me and I'll get you there. Come follow me and I'll get you there. But you don't need your stuff. You can't have me plus. I'm enough. You have to see that I'm enough. So Jesus sets down on the table. I'm not going to sit on this because I'll probably break. And he said, you see your stuff and you see me. What do you want? You see this, right? This pile of gold. You see that, right? You see that. You see that. And you see me. What do you want? Which one do you, what do you want? This is not doing it. And you're not going to need it. What do you want? You came here because you feel empty today, right? You know it's not enough. So what do you want? I'm enough. I will fill that space in you. I will move in and I will, I will be a source of life, not just somewhere you have to go outside of you and draw. You can draw from inside of you. I will be inside of you. I will be enough. What do you want? What do you want? And what's it say happened? He walked away. He walked away. Because he had a lot. He had a lot. Isn't that like a sobering thought today? We expect the next verse to be then Jesus chased him down and he changed the demands. And he said, well, you can have a little bit of gold and a little bit of religion. You can trust in like me and just a little bit of this. And if the man walked away again, we would expect Jesus to then chase him down and say, well, you can keep like half. You can keep half. You can like half trust me and half trust this. Like together, me and money will fill that space in you. That's not what he did. Jesus let him walk away. Jesus is not interested today in being Jesus plus anything. Because he's enough. And there's this real ability for us to see it, to hear it, to be invited into it, to pray the prayer and to be good and to come to church and miss out on everything Jesus is because we just cannot take our eyes off this. We can't do it. But here's the reality today, and it's a reality that anybody probably that knows how much money that we have is very aware of. This is not real gold. It's not really worth anything. We may look at it and it's shiny and it looks valuable and it looks beautiful. And you're like, man, I got I to gotta have that. I got to spend my life chasing that. But in, in reality, it's not worth anything. 
But isn't that also true about real gold? Because here's the truth. You're going to die. And they may build you a box out of it and put you in it, but it's not going to do you any good. These things that we try to latch on to and live our whole life around, these things that we try to fill ourselves with, the reality of it is, man, if it doesn't go into eternity, it's not really worth anything. And Jesus is saying, you know what will get you somewhere? You know what will last? You know what will fill you in a way that you're not going to come up empty? You know what will do it? You know what's going to be enough? You know what has substance to it? Me. And when you see that as valuable, you start saying crazy things like Paul. Man, I had everything. But man, I just count it filth. Because I've seen the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. I've seen what it's like to know Jesus. And I just, I don't, I don't care as much about that stuff anymore. I don't need that stuff as much anymore. It doesn't do anything for me anymore because he's the thing that I want. He's what I need. I don't need more houses and more stuff and more popularity and more relationships. I don't need more pleasure. I don't need more substances. I don't need more fillers because I'm full. I don't need a filler because I'm full. I've been filled with him and I don't need all these things. And that's what today Jesus was inviting this man into. And maybe for some of us today, he's inviting us into. Some of us are like, oh, I'm already saved. I'm already saved. That's great. What are you carrying with you? I already know all that. But are you full? We started a few weeks ago with a few questions, right? What's my medication? For some of you, it's family, people, pleasure, whatever, money, stuff, substance. We all got a thing. We all got a medication. What's my medication? And if we can trace that back, like, why do I feel like I need that? What is the hole in me? It's painful. Most of us probably never thought about it till the next Sunday and then the next Sunday. It's a real thing. What, what, is, the, what is the place in me that I don't feel like I'm enough? And here's the question today. Have I let Jesus into that space? And if I haven't, what's keeping me from it? And am I willing today to lay it down so that he can come and he can fill me? Let's pray.